Welcome to episode 21 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Hey, uh, Cody and I had a date tonight, Kiko. I know yeah. you did. I heard it. I is, did it. Did it go well? This is Friday night we're recording this as opposed to our usual Sunday morning. Did, did he treat you nice? Um, we saw uh, at the Majestic Theater here in San Antonio, Texas. Very romantic theater. Mm-hmm. We sat side by side yes. as we watched Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. The 2013 J.J. Abrams film uh, with the San Antonio Symphony performing the score by, how do you say it? Michael Giacchino. Michael Giacchino performing the score live to the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen shows like this before. I saw a Looney Tunes one, I think, two years ago. Which <laughs> Wait, was really... that wasn't a movie. That's not a movie. Well, where they where they show, you know, a, they a, show... a film or something that's, that's previously recorded. And they play along live with it. Was that like a series of cartoons? Yeah. Okay. You know, they do the famous one, like the uh, What's Opera Doc. Oh, uh, right. Uh, but this was this was different. I'd never seen a full film done this way. And it was incredibly seamless. I don't yeah. know what you thought. There were times where you 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 forget that there is a – there are people – there are like dozens of people playing this music live. You know, you, you start watching the movie and you get sucked in. And the music is just perfect. It's yeah, and and it's kind of like it sounds like it's a track. I mean, yeah. it, it sounds yeah. so great. They were spot on. It was really really impressive. And I didn't only when I would step back to think about it was when I would notice that the symphony was there. And I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I just, I like to think that it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean what. I, you you want them to play the score exactly the same and hit yeah. all their cues and and you know the cool thing is you know they hit all the cues and you yeah. know when you have your big moments on screen when they're supposed to happen the symphony's right there and and hitting it perfect and uh, and I I guess I'd never really noticed how score heavy this movie was no I didn't either and and that's the cool thing about this event for me was that yes you kind of get lost in it and you kind of forget but it does fo- it does force you to focus a little bit on the score cuz you're kind of aware that that's what's happening yeah that's what you're there for that's right. the reason we're here and like 90% or more of the movie has music behind it i was uh, curious to watch the screening the 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 copy of the film they were showing mm-hmm. without cuz it obviously doesn't have the music track on it mm-hmm. so i wonder what it looks like just to watch it on its own yeah. <laughs> like it's just dull <laughs> That's yeah. going to be the next thing. Uh, the next series that Majestic is going to do. Come see a movie without the score. <laughs> yeah, it's just just it's boring. Silent film. like no uh, no orchestral <laughs> stings or anything. No, no way to make you. Uh... Yeah. So I, I I I didn't get a chance to see this th- tonight with y'all, but um, I was wondering like, does the music overpower the film? Like, can you hear the dialogue still? It's it's mixed perfectly. Yeah, it I was mean, it, it is... was astoundingly perfect because that's yeah. what we were worried about going in. Mm-hmm. Was you know, hey, maybe this is going to be too loud or too quiet because i've been to events before not at the majestic but at you know film uh theaters movie theaters where the mix just isn't right Mm -hmm. like and you can hear it usually the live events streamed in you can hear like oh the music's too loud i can't hear the dialogue or vice versa Mm -hmm. um but this was really really great i was really impressed yeah and i think i think everything could have maybe been a touch louder just all around but but if there's you a lot of old people at the <laughs> symphony, <code. Yeah. laughs> their hearing aids would have busted. I, I, a lot of old people and also a, a lot of nerds. I hear. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of Star Trek costumes, and uh, I got a I got a cop to something because I've trashed this movie mildly in the past. Um, I hadn't seen it all the way through since I originally saw it, 
And this movie kind of left a sour taste in my mouth the more I thought about it. But watching it again tonight, it's better than I remembered. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually really liked the movie when we first left, and I hadn't seen it since. Yeah, um, but it holds up. It holds up really well. Um, it, it's it's a little bit hokier than I remember. <laughs> uh, there are there is a little bit of cheese to it, but um, you know, I, I think that it that the beats, the emotional beats, play out really well. Um, I think that the performances are great. You know, the the characterization in this in in these movies are so great. Um, even if you don't have a reference point to mm-hmm. the older stuff, and um, and yeah, it was it was really enjoyable, and um, and yeah, for anyone who who is you know skeptical of these events, um, I, I would the first thing I would say is I would advise you to look down from the screen every so often, yeah, and to just, remember that you're at the symphony, yeah, <laughs> because you know if your eyes gravitate towards the screen. You know, you you will forget because it the, the soundtrack is played so perfectly, and it blends in so well um, that you 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 have the tendency to actually forget where you are a couple times. But um, but uh, there was an intermission in the middle. Um, it was really well timed too. Yeah, like it was right at a right at a uh, you know plot reveal, and then it mm-hmm. it uh, everybody was like oh, and people were cheering and, and yeah. clapping and and enjoying the movie again. Uh, like I said about the movie, there's still some stuff I didn't like. It, it, watching it again makes me wish J.J. Abrams had kept the con thing not a secret. Yeah. Because it really doesn't – it really kind of bums – like the first half of the movie is really super solid. Mm-hmm. It, and I had forgotten that. But then the con thing happens and you're like, well, why was it a secret? But anyway, beyond that, it was a – Yeah. It, it afforded me an opportunity to enjoy the movie in a theater setting again with, with again, a different take on it. Well, not a different take, but it's because it sounded exactly the same. But just a, just a really impressive feat, I guess. Yeah, and, and and one thing about the movie is we were talking about this earlier, but Alice Eve is just so out of place. In we this were movie. we were walking back from the theater, <laughs> walking back to our car, uh, cars, uh, and we were discussing all the stuff, you know, uh, nerd stuff about the movie. And there were people walking beside us, like answering the questions for us. Because <laughs> I was I was quizzing Cody on the original. Yeah. Con story and some people are answering for him. <laughs> like, shut up, nerds! We're having a conversation. <laughs> oh, uh, so that scene where uh, Alice Eve uh, uh, takes off her clothes—I think JJ a... Abrams is—I uh, guess he apologized for it. Yeah, yeah it's not like a, a trumpet player didn't go like. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what was funny though. We were uh, about three or four minutes before the performance started. We there was a bat flying around <laughs> the Majestic Theater. Really? And like it was flying through the orchestra, and they were like, and <laughs> they were like, like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> well, and because it it was like literally right before the show started, and you didn't know if they noticed it, yeah. But then they started to notice it, and people started to notice it and laugh, yeah. And uh, the and conductor go, didn't like was trying to swing at it and like <laughs> making the making the orchestra go faster, <laughs> well, yeah. And I, you know, I was expecting to hear like some like tuba player get scared, and, and you just hear a giant. <laughs> <laughs> some comedic take on something, yeah. uh, but uh, this the movie, you know, the stupid parts are still stupid. Yeah. Uh, the Alice Eve part still doesn't make any, you know, still just uh, the you know just titillation her being in a bra and panties and. We should also talk about how great the score is to this movie. I that you it know is, it is great. Even uh, even when I didn't like this movie and I like it more now, this really changed my my take on it. I'd let it get to me. I'd let it soak in too much. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, the, that's the one thing I would revisit was the score. I listen to it. I have a channel on Pandora where the, it cycles in mm-hmm. and it's always really exciting. And even I love the, you know, it'll transition to the, the older score, the original yeah. uh, Alexander Courage score. But the, the Michael, uh, how do you say it? Giacchino. Giacchino. I always want to say it more like Giacchino. Giacchino. Be a fun. It's really great. To- well, and it also, I believe it calls back to the first Star Trek score pretty well, yeah, heavily. Yeah, yeah. And I then mean, its main theme, which yeah. is so good. I love when movies have a great main theme. Yeah. And that's like one of the best things. That's one of the most common things people remember about the Superman movies. Yeah. And I think they made a conscious effort with this Man of Steel stuff to get away from that. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, going going back to Star Trek and, you know, the moments that were the best of this concert are when the or the, the symphony gets really loud and, and you know, and, uh, and, 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 and there's, this, there's a scene in the movie where the Enterprise sinks down into the clouds and then comes back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then the symphony goes, this is the score really elevates at that point. And that was such a cool moment to be. Yeah. I mean, it gets, it's like a goosebumpy moment. Yeah, cause, cause you sure. know, like oh, people are, are, uh, uh, playing along with it. And then, the that was when, uh, uh, the, the other part where they shot across the, yes, the, uh, the space jump or the whatever crowd went nuts for that. Yeah, because it, it ends and it just ends in this big crescendo and everybody just applauded. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. I thought. Yeah. When the credits roll, that that's when they play the original song, right? Yeah. In this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's like the and so the symphony does that too. Mm-hmm. They don't play the whole end credits. You know, the the end credits are always orchestral. Right, right, score. right. But you know, that kind of what would you call that? Like an epilogue credits, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the credits before. Before the cruel, yeah. yeah. There's probably some term for that. I don't know what it is, but you know where it highlights every actor and it kind of flies through special effects. Mm-hmm. And then I was surprised that nobody cheered or like three people cheered when Michael Giacchino's name popped up in the credits. Oh, there was I like didn't there, even was like, there was like it was a little strange. <laughs> uh, well, not strange, but he does a video introduction. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know that enough people know who he is. I guess maybe if you're at the symphony, you know, but it yeah. was, it was interesting. I, I, I mean, he's not a really household name, I guess, as a composer. If, I think if you pay attention to those things, he is. Yeah. But only if you pay attention to this. He's I not, mean, he's an Oscar winning composer, but. What did he win an Oscar for? Uh, for Up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So do you think the, the, um, the Star Trek, um, people, you know, the, the, the Star Trek geeks, they go They're to... They're called Klingons. <laughs> Trek, they, Trekkies or Trekkers? Trekkies, sorry. Trekkies, Trekkies is probably the most common term. Right. Do you think the Trekkies go for the symphony aspect of it, or are they just going to see the movie again? I, I think this is one of those things that uh, it's a cool event that happens to coincide with what you like. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't... I, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to see the movie again, just because it's... You, it's on Netflix and everybody has it on Blu-ray or DVD. So it's more now. of the experience of the event. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a community thing. I mean, there's a, you know, the symphony is always uh, full of the season ticket holders. You know, the people that are, uh, for lack of a better word, the blue hairs, you know, the older people mm-hmm. um, that aren't really, they're just going because that's what they do. Right. So were there, were there people like that there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, so an cra- interesting mix. Then. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, the rest of it's filled out pretty much by nerds. 
you know, I don't know what the ratio was, but there's a lot of Star Trek uniforms there. Yeah. There's a Star Trek club, local Star Trek club. It had a bunch of stuff on display, you know, all their collection stuff, stuff that I could go through and go, well, I have that. I have that. <laughs> that's, that was, I, that's the honest truth. And, I and, did. That, and that's something you're bragging about. <laughs> hey man, you do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, a really great experience. And if it comes to your town, and you said it's touring with uh, yeah, different it, ver- different films, right? Yeah, um, it's as far as I know, they've been doing either Star Trek or Star Trek Into Darkness, um, depending on the city. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many dates there are left. It's been kind of sporadic, but they, I know they've been to Houston already. Um, I think they had the the first one uh, with Houston, and I, I think that you know these. The question is, you know, like Jared said, every once in a while they'll do like a John Williams thing or they'll do a tribute to a certain movie or TV show, but you don't see the full-length experience that often. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it's something that really works. If you have the patience for it and, and, and you can sit through the intermission, which kind of was not that fun to sit through an intermission. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess that's for the orchestra, you know. Well, you know, if we hold our bladders, so can they, you know. So all in all, I mean, I I had a really great time. Yeah, I did too, and I think that um, I I think that it has both appeal for, you know, just casual film fans and people who really enjoy the music. Like if if you're someone who, you know, actively listens to scores and soundtracks and and are and are a big fan of that kind of thing, this sort of event is really awesome and one I hope to see happen a little bit more. Often. I would love. Because it's one of my favorite film scores. I would love a Jurassic Park version of this. Yeah. That oh, that'd be, be awesome. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that the, the when they arrive at the island, I think that's what the track is called. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember exactly what it's called. Yeah. But when the helicopter's landing, God, it's some of my favorite movie music ever. Mm, yeah. Isn't there going to be a John Williams one? Yeah. There's uh, in in May, I think of next year. There's going to be a John Williams thing. Yeah. They're moving to the new Tobin Center here in San oh, Antonio. Yeah. So. Uh, it, I, I haven't been there yet, but it looks amazing. Uh, we want to thank uh, uh, personally. Yeah, uh, Laura Hernandez Applin was was the uh, the PR person who who set set this up for us and helped us out and and uh, and yeah, uh, we were taken care of pretty well and uh, and we had a great time and and I and I hope this the symphony does more of this. I think I think that you know when you have that blend of. Um, you know when it when it's not just the symphony and you can bring other stuff into it and you can bring movies and tv shows into it you can you can you know make the experience completely different than listening to beethoven i wonder if there's know. uh if there's any kind of pushback by fan from like, purists yeah yeah i, I don't I'm know sure there is probably i mean i it, it depends on if people like hearing orchestral scores of music and they and they treat it differently than something like classical music. I I don't know. You know, I wonder um, if the symphony has to uh, bring in any kind of instrumentation that they don't normally trade in. I don't stuff know. Like this, probably no. Maybe I mean, if they did like Inception, where it's just like weird ass percussion. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. or I'm thinking of something like. Uh, well, it's not a film, but uh, did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? No, the remake. They did a lot of uh, kind of tribal drums. Yeah. So I guess that would be something. That's probably not typical in every symphony. Yeah, I like I like that stuff. I like when when movie scores use you know weird percussion or I, I actually think one of Giacchino's uh, score I think is Ghost Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol has a lot of weird percussion in it. Um, I don't remember that one. 
it's really good if you have a chance to go back and listen to I, it. I wish I'm there a was big a big fan of his. I, there used to be a set. I was telling you there used to be a satellite radio channel on Sirius XM that was film scores and they moved it to internet only, but it was something I'd listen to in the car all the time. Uh, Pandora doesn't quite get the experience down to the same way. Cause yeah. it, you kind of cycle through the same stuff over and over again. Uh, now I want to know what, what the symphony has in there. And their rooms over there, like if they just have huge rooms just full of every single instrument you could ever think, like I do. I'm sure the 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 uh, the members own their own instruments. Oh yeah, yeah, that. But I mean, I'm sure. That do they, they have something in reserve? You mean? Well, yeah, I'm I'm sure they ha- they do. And then I mean, like they're, the percussionists they, have to. Ha- I mean, I'm sure percussion. Well, the percussionists don't own timpani timpani drums. Well, and okay, stuff like that. probably true. Uh, there's a gong in this score. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a, if that's a uh, a, a traditional part of the San Antonio yeah. Symphony. Like, is there is there yeah. a gong all the time? <laughs> right. I I think that this this whole thing exceeded expectations, kind of across the board. Yeah, because we were kind of worried, like, what the playback would look like on yeah. the, the the screen, and it was really great. Yeah, and uh, and you know, it, it like like you said, it's an impressive feat from from all of these musicians who you know they're not looking at the movie. Yeah. They're they're looking at their music and and the conductor and. And uh, and it, the conductor had a small screen in front of him that was playing the movie, but mm-hmm. um, but everyone else is kind of just flying blind. Well, and, I'm, I'm sure it's a time code based system. Yeah, and and I, and if you the Michael Giacchino in his intro w- was talking about how he was saying to the orchestra that it is a is a tightrope walk is how yeah, he yeah, he worded yeah. it, and you couldn't. I mean, if the, if they struggled or had problems, you couldn't tell because yeah. it seemed flawless. Yeah. And so the symphony was really, really good. That was a really, really great experience. So I recommend it if you if you have the chance. Let's go move on to news. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. Once again, it's about Marvel Comics. No! Or Marvel Films, whatever no! it's called. They finally dropped the bomb. Was it like Sunday night? It was, a, it was Sunday weird night. timing. It was, it was a real late... Uh, Variety broke the story that... Uh, there had been all this speculation about what the hell Robert Downey Jr. was going to do. Lot- well, and, and partially fueled by him. Right. By saying, yes, there's Iron Man 4, and then, no, there's not Iron Man 4. Yeah. Uh, some people thought that uh, Robert Downey Jr. would walk away from the Marvel franchise, uh, the Avengers movies, uh, Iron Man, whatever else. But then he realized that he, he didn't have enough money then, then he re- as, I, as Tony Stark. He wants as much money as Tony Stark. It's amazing does. to me. That the, I mean, uh, maybe I'm just not as artistically, uh, my artistic integrity isn't as strong as some people's. But when you have the chance to make all the money, <laughs> uh, why would you ever stop? Like, and it's, and I mean, it's not like this is garbage that they're turning out. This is stuff that people love. Why would you stop playing the character? Why would you walk away from something where you make? Okay, let's get to the story here. The story is um, that 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 Robert there there are no plans for an Iron Man four. That is correct. But instead, um, Robert Downey Jr. is going to play uh, Iron Man in the third Captain America movie, which will be called which will I I, I don't know if it's officially going to be called Civil War, but it is going to start a, sti- a civil war. Uh, I guess it's drawing from the civil cycle. war comic, uh, that Marvel released several years ago. Yeah. And I think that several movies are going to be a part of the storyline. The idea being that, um, 
it pits Captain America against Iron Man. Right. Um, so who's Iron Man fighting for? Basically, it's it has to do with the Superhero Registration Act, which forces anyone with superhuman abilities to reveal their identity to the U.S. government and agree to act as a police force for the authorities. And I believe Iron Man is for that. In the comic book, yeah. But there's a, a tweak to that in the movie universe is that none of the characters have secret identities. So there's obviously going to be some changes to the right. the basic storyline of it. And, and a lot of people don't. A lot of fan speculation that I've seen online says that uh, that that the, the characterization of Tony Stark doesn't play into that yeah. uh, storyline so well. But obviously, at least uh, from what we've been what we've been told, that's what it's going to be based on. That's really all we know at this point. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, that that in itself is pretty big news. But if you read the Variety report, there's some really interesting nuggets of how this came about. Yeah, uh, who was it? The head of uh, Marvel. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever. I but it's uh, Feig. I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, um, but but uh, I'm trying to find the guy's name. I, I don't remember his name. Uh, we'll look it up because people hate when we say, who's that guy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, the, the head of Marvel Comics. I, Ike Perlmutter. The, he's a, kind of a notorious <laughs> cheapskate. Yes, and Marvel are notorious cheapskates as a company, and and basically, um, uh, they wanted to get Robert Downey Jr. in a smaller role for Captain America mm-hmm. Three. Yeah, and of course, Downey, being uh, a smart person, was like, "No, write me a bigger part so I can get a bigger pay cut." And uh, Mister per- Perlmutter was not having this, and he ordered them to write Iron Man out completely of the script. And was like, you know, screw that. We're not doing that. And um, and I guess Kevin Kevin F from Marvel, um, <laughs> just call him Kevin. Kind Kevin. of kind of mediated between them. Well, so he's the head of Marvel Films. This is the guy that yeah. was head of Marvel Marvel Entertainment Chief is his <sighs> is his role. And then uh, and then and then Kevin is the Marvel Studios president. There you go, Marvel Studios. But um, but basically they they uh, they they finally agreed to it, and and they. And basically, they said that you know part of the reason this will be a financial success is because Robert Downey Jr. is in it. And listen to these numbers. I've heard these numbers, but please say them. Robert Downey Jr. earned fifty million dollars for the Avengers mm-hmm. and seventy-five million dollars for Iron Man three, and so he will collect forty million dollars plus back end for Captain America three and an additional payout if Captain America three outperforms the Winter Soldier's worldwide haul because uh, the. Reason behind that being Robert Downey Jr. would be the reason the for reason the success. For, exactly. I mean... It's going to happen, too. <laughs> it is going to happen. And how... And, and there are people... I have... My best friend was insistent that Robert Downey Jr. was done Yeah. after Avengers 3, because that was when his contract ran out. Yeah. But... If you're going to give him $40 million to appear in someone else's movie, how, but, uh, how do you say no? But I mean... It, there's the, there's the idea that at some point that he would be done. I think is the idea that he would be the one to say I'm done. Yeah. Not that they would ever let him go. Because I think at at the end of the day, doesn't Disney have the final say? I don't know how how it shakes out. I don't know, but it's it's just it's just very weird that they uh, that they you know I I guess Robert Downey Jr. essentially called their bluff and. 
and I mean, of, of course he's got the leverage. He's a massive star and he's, he's, uh, he's the reason these people come out to the, these movies. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like we were talking about last week, they Marvel feels a little more confident that they can leverage anything into a success with guardians of the galaxy. But yeah. I, like I was like, I think in, like I said, I think they still need one more kind of unproven thing to do that. But apparently that's not going to happen anytime soon. Cause yeah. we're sticking with, uh, at least Robert Downey Jr. The speculation still is that uh, that Chris Evans is done after yes Avengers uh, three and you know and you know the the Variety thing says that basically the fallout from Captain America three will factor into Avengers four yeah. so it's kind of like you know Marvel has this and we'll we'll bring up this you know this long long sighted if that's even a term uh, vision for for these franchises far sighted. Uh, longitudinally Long, long-term yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go just break it down to the easiest terms it's a long t- longitudinal longitudinally is what i said uh <laughs> so yeah it's uh what is that is there mean? is there a latitudinally then? well no but there's like in if <laughs> you if you do in like psychology terms you can do a longitudinal study which oh. is a study done over several years uh, here we go He's bringing out the big guns, the psychology. Mm. We don't know what we're talking about. These are my degrees. We're just talking about the. Uh, oh, the, okay. The, now he's showing us his MA. Okay, we see it. He's, he's like, you the... can well, you can cross the international date line in psychology <laughs> and get around to the prime meridian. You've made a real breakthrough. You're saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Those are longitudinal lines. Yeah. On the globe. Anyway, we are getting off topic here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's big news, and you know there, you know if if anyone is familiar with the Civil War storyline, we won't say anything here, but there are pretty big implications for the future of Marvel. Um, and and I'm actually really interested in this. I I think that the way that you keep these movies fresh is by pitting them against each other, because I think that when you have just some looming giant supervillain threat, it's going to start feeling. That's one of my complaints with Guardians of the Galaxy was that. It- the villain was too formulaic because yeah. you because you know at the end of the day they're going to defeat the villain, but when you got a a good guy facing a good guy, you don't know what's going to happen. Well, and I think yeah, exactly, and I think that's why the Avengers was so successful was because half of the movie was spent like if you if you if you look at them teaming together against you know random end of the world threat, it's not as good. But if when you see them clash, like when you see uh, when you see you know uh, Captain America and Iron Man go against each other in that movie, or uh, you know Thor and uh, Thor straight and up Hulk. tried to kill Captain America. Yeah, <laughs> like he didn't know he was super powered. He was just gonna smash him with his hammer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was just gonna murder a guy. <laughs> so yeah, I think this is a great way to keep things fresh, and I think it's continuing down this political thriller line that Winter Soldier sort of developed. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's you know it's a way to root them in realism and, and sort of a way that that the Dark Knight was so successful was because it was rooted in realism to an extent. And I think that's sort of a great way to go. Well, I think that uh, the the, the comic book movie is always a kind of evolving thing. You get too much of the same stuff over and over again. It starts to look all the same. Yeah. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy was a breakout because it was so different. You know, it was more Star Wars than it was... Spider-Man or yeah. whatever. I just think the main concern that is that at some point it's going to be too much as far as bringing them all together. So like when you have the Avengers interacting with the Guardians of the Galaxy, interacting with Doctor Strange and Ant-Man 
and everyone else they're bringing into the equation, <laughs> it's just going to be too much. I was I was thinking about this the other day after I heard this. Like, I don't even know what the end of this would look like. It's kind of like imagining the end of The Simpsons. Yeah. Like what? Like even if it's bad and it still makes money, why would they ever end it? You yeah, know what I mean, that's it's very true. But it's you know, I it, it almost it seems like Marvel knows what they're doing at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think so, they've known what they're doing for a long time now. I just don't frankly. know if, if they knew it was going to work as well as it has, and it has worked very well. well yeah, for them. Guardians of the Galaxy once again was the, yeah. the kind of like fuck you guys. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, fucking raccoon. Sure. Well, did fucking you see, talking tree? Whatever. Did you see when Chris Pratt was hosting SNL? They did a, a Marvel sketch. About, oh yeah. Uh, was it like some shopping cart or something? Was one of the movies? <laughs> yeah. And then was it uh, Debbie? Or yeah. Just a, yeah. Just a woman's name. I can't remember what her name was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Kiko? You've been really quiet. You know me, guys. I like a good superhero movie, but I'm, I don't know. I just I don't get excited about them. You do you not even like Robert Downey Jr. No, I, role, I, no, I like, no, I like no, I like him in the role. I like all the Marvel um, casting choices that have been made. Cody and I were talking about that earlier. That yeah. I think, and we'll bring that up in just a second when we cover something else. But yeah, um, no, I, I mean, again, uh, this year surprised me. I, I really liked. Uh, um, Winter Soldier, I really liked the X-Men, uh, the last one. Um, but just sometimes, I really liked um, Guardians of the Galaxy, but just sometimes I think that they kind of just, it was just so much of it, it just gets diluted for me. Do you, do you ever, yeah, do you ever kind of wish there was less? Yeah, I think I think just overall less, but I mean, that's not going to happen. So, I, And I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm on the same boat as you with the whole, you know, good guy versus bad guy thing. It's all, some of the movies, even the good ones feel like they, they're just rehashing the same kind of stuff. So I can I kind of wonder what if, if summer, if superhero movies hadn't caught on as big as they have with like Iron Man and stuff, what would our summer movies seasons look like now? It would be twilight reboots, <laughs> twister reboots. <laughs> Didn't we have that? Oh, we the, did have a, twister what the hell reboot. was that movie called? I totally forgot it. Me too. Into it the was, storm or something. It was really like bad. I, it would probably be like, uh, uh Shit, I don't know. Maybe more Transformers movies than there were. Maybe. What did we used to have? We had like Demolition Man and yeah, uh, big action. I wonder if like big action movies, like would come big back. dumb action movies. Yeah. Well, like, there was like some Expendables. like war movies. Uh, like I remember the Patriot that one summer that came out. But I think that yeah. maybe you know. Sp- it seems like Spielberg doesn't do summer movies as much as he used to. It seems like it's he's always shooting for Oscars now. Like like when you look back at Lincoln and War Horse, those are all later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was the last time? What was the last like blockbuster summer movie that Spielberg did? I don't know. When did War of the Worlds? Wait, was come it War of the Worlds? I don't know if it came out in the summer, but um, I can't think of anything before. Oh, well, uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's okay. the most recent. Yeah, because I've I've got I'm looking it up. That, and that's interesting because you know Spielberg used to used to own that. Yeah. Uh, and now he's well. Some would even say he invented it with with, with Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. I would. Yeah, I'm, it's hard to argue that. I think. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's move on to our next item. Related. Yes. The other side of the coin. The other side of the coin. DC Comics vomited out. <laughs> I would say vomited out like it's bad. I don't want to say that it's bad because we don't know yet. Yeah. But they just had this huge info dump earlier this week of yeah, a, all their upcoming movies a ton of a ton of information uh and even some casting so what's what's the details here all right uh i will break this down as succinctly as possible but um basically dc 
on in one day too. By the way, this yeah. all came out in one day, and I saw afternoon. it in like a in like a graph form. Yeah, like a like a PowerPoint slide. <laughs> yeah, but they they basically mapped out all of their movies through 2020. So every movie for the next that's what you got to do now. Damn it. Yeah. So we have. What are you doing in 2020, Kiko? Hurry. Um, I guess I'm watching. Superman versus Ant-Man. <laughs> you're watching, you're watching uh, Aquaman. Aquaman too. versus... Yeah, exactly. So here's what's, here's what's going down. Uh, the, it, is, it is now the new... I mean, it's basically the answer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that, that started with Man of Steel. And so we're getting Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice in 2016, which will be followed by Suicide Squad. This will be directed by David Ayer, who directed End of Watch and Fury. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and, and and there was also some casting news that came out. Apparently, Will Smith and Tom Hardy are very close to being signed on for Suicide Squad, and they're still looking for Margot Robbie and uh, uh, Ryan Gosling. They're looking for, for Margot Robbie? Where <laughs> well, they're she? looking at her. She's very pretty. She I'm is. looking at her. Right uh, now. So uh, 2017, we'll have uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, they're still trying to... Make that happen? It's happening. She's in uh, Batman yeah. v Superman. Gal Gadot. Oh, that's right. They, yeah, Gal Gadot. Okay. And then after Wonder Woman, it will be uh, Justice League Part 1. So they're splitting Justice League into two movies. Part 1, directed by Zack Snyder, which is now official. I think that was assumed. Wait, but... wait. I don't understand this. How are they splitting a movie that's just the first movie? Uh, they're just... They're just... And, okay, it's kind of like making... I, I see your point. I, I don't know, I, but it, it, but it's called Justice League Part One. It's not Justice League One. It's Part One. I don't understand that. So, 2017 Justice League Part One, 2018 The Flash, which will be starring Ezra Miller, uh, yeah. as the Flash. Who Ezra Miller, you know from Perks of Being a Wallflower, and we need to talk about Kevin. I didn't like We Need to Talk About Kevin, but I like Perks of Being a Wallflower. But he's not really. Uh, superhero we no. Well, yeah, not your kind of traditional choice. No, not at all. And he's... It, it, a, th- a, th- a note on that is Warner Brothers... Uh, Makes bad casting choices. DC, <laughs> no, but DC uh, has just launched a successful Flash TV show, live-action TV show, yeah. on uh, the CW. And to pair with their successful TV version of Arrow... Both of which will have no connection to this cinematic universe. Correct. Which, poor it, guy, poor actor on the TV show. As a fan, uh, I don't. I would be disappointed. I, I don't watch Arrow, but I have been watching Flash, and I've really enjoyed it. I like the pilot. I haven't seen the second episode yet. But um, the pilot was good. Well, yeah, it's only been the second episode, so that's. Uh, it, it's it's gotten great reviews so yeah. far. Um, and I know Arrow is really beloved by the fans yeah. compared to the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think is boring, and a lot of people agree. Um, the idea behind it is that uh, DC, I, I assume, and I've heard this from a few people, that DC cares more about the international market than anything else, and it's hard to work. Uh, you know, they don't trend, the TV doesn't travel across the sea, uh, overseas as much as the yeah. films do. So. If they were to try to work these in, it would take a lot of continuity to explain. Yeah. I don't know that they couldn't do it easily, but yeah. it just seems like kind of a, a weird direction to go to have two identical properties well, in the best case scenario going at the same time. But they did do – didn't they do Superman Returns when Smallville was still on the air? That's true. Yeah. Which – That's a different take though. I mean this is like – 
This well, would be like if they did because because Smallville was before he became Superman, right? And Superman Returns was a sequel to a quasi sequel to the Richard Donner films. But this would be like having a Superman TV show, like a full on Superman TV show, and then having a full on Superman movie, right? I guess it's I guess it's the difference between like them doing Gotham now and. Having Batman, yeah. I mean, you know, ostensibly Smallville and Gotham are prequels to whatever comes after. But but wasn't he actually Superman in Smallville? He wasn't just Clark Kent, was he? The very last shot of the series is him becoming Superman. Okay, so that was part of the deal. Okay, Uh, but but the Flash is the Flash already. He's he's a Flash from from the get go. Yeah, uh, it's weird. It's an interesting choice. I don't necessarily like it. Yeah, but I can see why they're doing it. It just seems kind of a, you know, DC's been doing their their TV really well with Arrow and now with Flash, yeah. and well, I don't know about Gotham. Gotham's a different story. Yeah. But did you name all the movies? No, that... I didn't. I oh didn't yeah, sorry. It. Uh, after the Flash in 2018 will be Aquaman, starring Jason Momoa. Which good luck with that. I I don't know how you turn Aquaman into a serious character, but I don't know. Good it luck. Just, it just reminds me of Entourage. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why? Because because they because the main character in Entourage, Vincent Chase, played by Adrian Grenier, played was supposedly uh, the star of an Aquaman movie yeah. directed by James Cameron <laughs> that oh. was bigger than Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he looks nothing. I like I never that. saw Entourage though. So. Uh, 2019 will have Shazam, which will have Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Black Adam, uh, and then you'll have Justice League Part Two in 2019. And then you will have in 2020 Cyborg, which will star Ray Fisher. And then who that? He's he's a guy who's never been in anything before. He's a is a Broadway actor, a, a theater actor. He's he's supposed to debut in uh, Justice or Dawn of Dawn Justice. Of Justice. Yeah. And then finally in 2020, they're going to attempt to right the wrongs of Green Lantern. <laughs> so circle those calendars, kids. Here's here's the thing. Uh, this. This reeks of desperation from DC, uh, just trying to not get their asses kicked by well, Marvel. I, I mean, it, it, we've seen it already. Oh, and this is another interesting thing. Uh, we with the the planning ahead. Uh, do you know that uh, the DC or uh, DC had originally scheduled? I don't know what the weekend is exactly. Had scheduled. Uh, Batman versus Superman yeah. for a weekend mm-hmm. in 2016 and Marvel stuck Captain America three there. No, I think, I think they actually stuck, uh, no, it was Captain America three. They stuck there. And see, I thought they thought, I, I thought they put a lesser property there. No, it was Captain America three, I believe. Cause, and then if, um, well, if this is I, my facts aren't 100% of this, but the point is whatever Marvel put there, DC balked, balked and moved Batman v Superman. Yeah, it was essentially a dick measuring move from from <laughs> from Marvel and it worked. But it, but and the the craziest part to me is thinking about the, the the iconic nature of Batman and Superman that DC was fearful that that would be secondary, that that yeah. would play less successfully than yeah, Iron Man versus Captain America. Yeah, I mean, and, what and the it was, fuck? And it was Captain America. Okay, theory, right. But yeah, that's yeah, that's real. I mean, that's like fuck. So what is what is Marvel's move here? I mean, do their move is to rake in the money. Well, I know, but I mean, with the whole like you know planning ahead, do they well, do they go in, do they go in and see where the 
you know, these movies are going to drop and do the same thing that they did and well, start, you know. Marvel has already planned pretty far ahead in all of this. And, and evidently they have a grand they have a grand plan in motion, obviously, because they have this, this storyline that the Civil War that they're right. going to carry over. I don't know if DC knows what they're doing beyond just. Well, it's, it's DC's to, to screw up as, as far as as far as the competition is concerned. I think a rising tide lifts all boats in this case. And if 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 DC turns out good movies, it's just going to benefit Marvel because it's not going to be yeah. like, you know, it's not going to be, you know, somebody's going to if somebody loves Batman versus Superman, they're not going to be like, ah, fuck that Iron Man and Captain America shit. They're just going to be like, man, I can't wait till Iron Man, Superman or but, whatever but, comes out. But here's the thing. Batman, Batman versus Superman better be pretty goddamn good because they're already starting a leg down because Man of Steel was awful. And I, I don't think it was what they were looking for. I don't even think it did that well financially. You it, know. It, it about equaled uh, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I don't know the numbers. But it was about as successful as Superman Returns. Right. Um, but they're already, I mean. So why do you keep Zack Snyder on then? I mean, it seems like they're, he's the golden boy, but he hasn't really proven anything well, yet. Well, you, you need a continuity of, uh, you need a continuity of people behind the scenes and yeah. he's made them enough money. Well, I mean, it's, I, I would, I would be hesitant to call man of steel a failure because it, it made lots of money. It made, it didn't do like dark night money, you know, but it was, it was not well received critically, nor I don't think by general audiences. I mean, I don't, I don't hear that movie talked about in high esteem, but I would think you would go out and do what Marvel is doing and find, you know, talented young actors or directors that have proven themselves in their first outing you know what i mean like like yeah like like finding well i mean it's not well, even that but it's it's finding like like the russo brothers for example was a great find for marvel i mean marvel they didn't do everything right right away i mean no. who was uh uh lewis uh i don't know how you pronounce his last name letterer less lesseteer i don't know i don't, I don't know remember his name it, i don't even know it was incredible hulk right? he did the incredible hulk and i mean he had done just kind of journeyman stuff uh it wasn't anything spectacular and then uh, thor was uh kenneth branagh which was a, a a strange choice yeah he's a great director though but I'm, yeah. i mean it was a weird choice uh and then i, I loved the choice of joe johnston for uh captain america i thought he nailed that i right? loved i loved the first captain america so much yeah i love the 40s setting 30s and 40s setting and then and then of course we didn't just hit a grand slam I was talking to a friend of mine about this. I wonder, because uh, oh, and that was part of the Marvel announcement too that Whedon might be out after Avengers two, and that the Russo brothers might take Avengers right. three. And I was wondering because that because it's always, you know, people know quote until it actually happens, and then yeah. oh, forget it. But I, I just wonder if Whedon would ever have the same sort of success. I mean, because this is, I think Avengers was a perfect comment, like a perfect storm of, well, here's a guy that fans have loved forever, and here's this property just building to a crescendo. Yeah, well, I think, you know, famously, uh, they brought in Joss Whedon to retool, I don't remember if it was Iron Man 3 or Captain America 2, but he, they brought one of him in to kind of tighten up the script, and he literally came out for like a day or two worked on the script, and flew back out. I could see Whedon having that kind of role in the future if he yeah. steps away and just kind of being like the godfather of it, kind of like John Favreau was early on. Yeah. But I think I just think the thing with DC is that the movies are unproven in this current franchise they want. 
and Batman vs. Superman is going to introduce a lot of characters. Well, I heard uh, early on after Ben Affleck was cast that Ben Affleck was having was given that role. Well, I haven't heard much about it since. See, I think there was a working theory that they were that they that they got Ben Affleck so he could direct Justice League, and so that's why they signed him on as an actor. But that obviously didn't. Pan but out. I'd heard that he was getting like script approval, and he would be this. He would be the Whedon, so to speak, of that universe because because of what he's done. Yeah, you know his success behind the camera recently. And I think they just gave it to Snyder instead. And Hulk Snyder has that role. Who knows what's happening? Seriously, the Batman v Superman. If it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, they're screwed. I mean, they are they are screwed. I mean, of course, I say screwed relatively speaking. Um, Their movies are going to make money, but you know, and again, I don't think Marvel is infallible. In fact, I only think there's probably three or four legitimately good Marvel movies out of the bunch. But um, what would they be? What would they be? Besides, okay, Captain America Winter. Excuse me, Captain America Winter Soldier. I I don't love that movie, but I think I think the Avengers is legitimately really okay. good. I think the first Iron Man's really good. Mm-hmm. I like the first Captain America, and mm-hmm. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, and I think those are all legitimately good I, movies. And I think you know, I while I didn't like Captain America two, I think it's 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 a good. movie. I'd add Captain America two, and I'd add Iron Man three. No, not me. Reluctantly, I liked it, but I don't really remember much about it except he wasn't in the Iron Man suit. I liked Iron Man two better than I liked Iron Man three. Really, Iron oh, Man God, two was just that yeah. was that was see that was a big mistake on Marvel's part, and I think they learned their lesson. Like, please don't make a movie that's just setting up the next movie. Yeah, well, I I could I could not stop laughing at at Mickey Rourke's double Dutch arms when he was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, it remains to be seen. I think a lot of people think that DC's playing from. Uh, from a position of, of desperation. I don't know I that it's so. desperation as much as it's like, we want to do this too. Cause they don't have anything. <laughs> I mean, if they don't do it, then, then they don't lose. I guess I, but I think that losing Christopher Nolan in that whole universe caused a panic, I think. And I think they, and I, I think especially when you attach Christopher Nolan's name to man of steel and it just, you know, I, I've heard a, there's a lot of retroactive, uh, like uh what am I what am I trying to say? Retroactive dislike of the Christopher Nolan stuff that I've come across. Well have, I have you? A, a little bit. I, I think that and I think some of it's valid, um but there is some sort of counter blowback against against, against Nolan. And again, I think I don't think that the Dark Knight Rises is a good movie at all. I think it's I think it's a bad movie, but I think that, What are people uh, wait, what are people saying? I don't that they wanted to they want to get it back to something that it's supposed to that be that they were too than, dark and uh that too grim and too like people will say like, "Oh, I love the Dark Knight, but I can't watch it again cuz it's too depressing or something." It was it was man, just having those movies become That's an uh, Dark Knight's still an amazing movie to me. I don't I mean I like Batman Begins. I don't have I don't have the problems you have with Dark Knight Rises. I recognize that it's a big bloated mess, but yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad movie. But The Dark Knight to me, just I, it was kind of a transcendent moment where people realize, hey, this can be a real thing that that it's okay for yeah. grownups to like. Yeah. Oh, I think I think I didn't have the same reaction, but I think that The Winter Soldier was that way for a lot of people. Yeah, as I think well. I think it probably still throws people. It's a, a very off. grown up movie. Yeah. Yeah. But you just, uh, you just knew Robert Redford was going to be the bad guy, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hail Hydra. Yeah. 
I man, Gary Shanley looks awful. By the way, <laughs> he uh, looks like an old woman now. He's all puffy. And stuff. <laughs> anyway, so I'm looking forward to uh, how many more years? At least six more years of uh, talking about this. Yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> God. I am skeptical about the DC side of things. Oh, totally. Throwing out all this stuff. I mean, something's going to happen. But that's gonna, what you got to do. We're pushing it back. We're you, pushing it back two years. You got to do that now. Everybody does that. It's just a big old dick measuring thing. You'd be yeah. like, hey, Cody, you're, I'm having a party on uh, December 4th, 2019. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, fuck, I can't have my party that day. <laughs> I got to tell him I'm having a party October 18th. But but I but I I just it's stupid right I just don't know if DC knows what they're doing at this point I I don't you know with Marvel you feel like there's a plan with DC it's just like we'll do Aquaman and we'll do Green Lantern again and we'll do you know you know I mean and people say people will be like oh a Green Lantern movie or an Aquaman movie but I mean you could have said the same thing about an Iron Man movie sure. you know in two thousand seven or, or like, a Thor movie yeah you know, like fucking Thor. And then, and even recently, like Guardians of the Galaxy, a fucking raccoon in a tree. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Okay, let's go and uh, move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we've got Fury. Radio's 86. We're on our own. Good shot. Oh, I want me. No, no, I'm the instrument, not the hand. God didn't call us today. You hear me, boys? What's he doing up there? Big paradise. No one else came up snake guys but us. Lord's protection. We got it, don't we, boys? Yes, sir. <laughs> we got yes, it. Yes, sir. Norm mowed them down, didn't he, too? Hey, good job, Norm. Welcome to the army, Norm. <laughs> you did good. Oh. Best job ever. Best job ever. Best job ever. Best job ever. As the Allies make their final push in the European theater, a battle-hardened army sergeant named War Daddy commands a Sherman tank and her five-man crew on a deadly mission behind enemy lines. I didn't see Fury. Why? Why, why didn't you see Fury? I don't... Uh, you I don't know. It was Samuel L. Jackson's standalone movie. I thought it was like <laughs> the Nick like too much, too much. Uh, I don't know. I was tired. Oh, yeah. And well. I stayed home and watched mm-hmm. a Kirk Cameron movie instead. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I didn't see it. So, uh, but the two of you did. So, Kiko. Yeah. Um, I had mixed feelings about this, really. Um, I think that David Ayer, uh, the director of this film, did a great, great job with um, End of Watch. Uh, which starred uh, one of the actors of this movie, uh, Michael Pena, and then also Jake Gyllenhaal, as these two cops that really have this great camaraderie with each other. And it's just like the most naturalistic type performances when they're on the screen together. And I thought I was going to get that here with these soldiers. I mean, you have these five or six soldiers that are spending basically their whole you know, time in this tank. And I didn't get that. And I was really disappointed. I didn't, I didn't feel like they were, you know, any closer than you know any other two soldiers would have been during that time and this is set in world war ii of course um so i think it really missed its mark on that and which is a big huge which is a huge part of it because i mean you you have a you know such a uh, just an all-male cast here you 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 really want to see you know the brotherhood and, and and see that type of um connection there and it just didn't happen um the 
battle sequences they're they're fine i thought that the there's a tank versus tank sequence in this somewhere in the middle of the movie that's just really great um and cody will talk to you about the last sequence uh, which is kind of like a standoff sequence uh and it was all right i thought it was good um so the battle sequences are 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 fine but uh just uh, emotionally i just didn't feel anything uh for any of these um soldiers and not to say that the acting brought on by a couple of guys especially uh wasn't great because there's uh, some really good performances in here, specifically uh, Shia LaBeouf and um, his name always John Barenthal. John Barenthal. John Barenthal was great in this, um, and he's from The Walking Dead, correct? Yes, yes, correct. So um, yeah, again, um, great performances from a, a few people. Um, a lot of uh, filler in there when it comes to this movie's a what a two hours and fifteen minutes or so about that. Um, yeah, there's this one scene, and Cody can talk to you a little bit more about that, but there's this one scene that's just incredibly long that could have been cut even more than in half. I mean, it's what, maybe 25, 30 minutes? Yeah, it's about that, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. I like this movie more than Kiko did, but I, I had my fair share of problems with it. Um, which, by the way, uh, Kiko made a guarantee to me. <laughs> he guaranteed that this movie would not rise above 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. And last time I checked, it was certified fresh at 79%. So you know that now uh, a Kiko Martinez guarantee means jack shit. He's calling me out. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, but I bought my washer and dryer from him. That, that was your mistake. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that was read, your mistake. Read, read the, your read warranty, the, man. Read the fine print, God buddy. damn it. <laughs> and so... Uh, no wonder you stink right now. Your <laughs> underwear all dirty. <laughs> I put bleach in it and it just ran out the bottom. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that the, the best parts of Fury are when it is kind of like this straight up action war film. Um, the the tank on tank scene. Uh, <laughs> That's is, a subgenre, by the way. Yeah, it is. Thank you very much. Uh, I like that tank on tank stuff, if you know what I mean. Did you say thank you very much? Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm honestly, why didn't this movie come out on Thanksgiving? <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> it is getting late. Um, Let's just barrel on through. Yes. Yes. Uh, so anyway. Uh, Tanks have barrels. Yeah, they do. <laughs> just, let's just tread on. Okay. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> now I want to look up tank terms. Yeah. Let's go. Come on. We got some more tank puns. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, where, oh, yeah. Okay. So the, the battle scenes are really good. Um, there is there is the tank on tank one that, that that's that's very intense. Um, and then there's there's the there's the standoff at the end, which I thought was great. Uh, I'll I'll be it a little bit repetitive. But, um, yeah, the, the tank on tank one is I, I liked it because there's like strategy involved and you can really uh, get a sense of like, man, if they make one one small tiny move, they're going to get blown out of the, you know, off the ground. Um, so I really liked the, the way that the way they put that together. I think um, the final scene where I just kept thinking because all these men are coming, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you guys? <laughs> Jesus Let's, Christ! Uh, I, I wanna, <laughs> I'm so curious. Do, you, do either of you have World War II movie fatigue? Because I kind of do a little. As bit. much as Marvel fatigue? Not really. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, this. 
I mean, we we haven't really had the tank squadron movie. Well, so but I mean, it's, it's okay, framing, but it's framing I mean, it different. I mean, if it's if it's the same movie over and over again, then yeah. But uh, but yeah, um, the the acting performances, I agree with you. Shia LaBeouf is 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 very good in this movie. John Bernthal is good. Um, uh, Michael Pena is kind of just there. You're not, and you're not a Shia LaBeouf fan, are I'm, you? No, I'm. I'm really not. Um, would, would you say this is probably one of his better performances? That yeah, you've it's seen? the best thing I've ever I've ever seen him in. Uh, Logan Lerman's kind of a weak link. I get the character, and I guess he does it fine, but I don't think he's that good in it. Uh, yeah, the- I mean, I, I I talked to you about this. I mean, the whole yeah, the character. I mean, he's, he's this innocent soldier who's thrown in yes to this uh, war, the horrors of war, the horrors of war type thing. I, you know, the first thing that pops up that did did it brilliantly was when Charlie Sheen came uh, into um, uh, into that uh, role in um, Platoon. So. Um, same same type of character. I mean, he yeah. doesn't want to really be there. Um, he's really innocent. He's never seen anybody die before. That type of yeah. thing. He's a typist, I think. Yeah, uh, Logan Lerman's character. Yeah, um, I came here to type sixty words a minute or something. He says, <laughs> and that's a, that's a big problem because where the movie starts to fail is is one when it gets into anything deeper than than just kind of war stuff. Uh, I, I think that the movie is is really bloated. It is. It could it could use a good. 45 minutes of shaving off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I do every day. <laughs> it takes you 45 minutes? Dang. Yeah. Uh, Jared's a bear. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I also it's a tank on tank <laughs> action. I, I, I also think uh, that uh, the, the movie's severely underwritten, and I think that's its downfall. Um, I hear it's really gory, too. It, it is, uh, and, and I think those are good elements. I think... I think there are certain scenes where David Ayer is able to show really the the brutality of war and and, and how and how uh, and how violent it is and how you know the, does not spare any gory details. But this, you know, there's a lot of soldier speak in it. It's very cliche at times. The the the, the dialogue and then, like Kiko said, um, there's a movie towards uh, the movie towards. There's a scene towards the middle of the movie. Where uh, and I get what they're doing. They're they're it's basically Brad Pitt and and Logan Lerman trying to find some sort of normality and in in, in 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 you know a return to basic normal life. Excuse me. Um, and uh, and it goes on for like twenty five or thirty minutes of, of of like cooking breakfast and yeah. They go into <laughs> this one house of a uh, uh, two women, uh, two German women. Yeah. Um, and you think? I mean. I don't know what what you think, but they're 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 the 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 town is already blown up, you know, to bits. This, so they go into this one house and they realize, you know, they can hang out here for a while while the other soldiers do their soldiering and stuff. So uh, they decide to play house. Yeah, uh, it's basically. basically thirty minutes of playing house, and <laughs> so he asks to get you know make make them some needs. So the one of the women cooks eggs for them, and they're playing the piano. And it's just it just takes too goddamn long. And yeah, to yeah, exactly. Point. It's like okay, they're trying to like you know, like we get in the paper or whatever yeah. they're doing, and it just yeah. And and I I think that um you know again it's not I I I liked it. I think the end result is a, is a good is a is a good enough movie, but. Uh, if you're, there's no deeper meaning here at all. It's just, it's just hollow when you, when you get through the exterior and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that it, 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 it had bigger aspirations to be something to, to really show, you know, this, this guy who's not ready for it. And, and the camaraderie, like Kiko said, you know, I think that the basic character designs are good. 
I think that anything further than character, anything further than that in the characterization and anything about bonds and camaraderie, it just doesn't quite work. And I think um, what I also didn't get is the because Brad Pitt's character is called War Daddy. They all seem he he seems to be very you know he seems to be the he is the leader of this group, and um, I thought that they would have more respect for him. And I didn't see that. I didn't get that. Well, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily agree. Because they were all. I mean, they were there fighting with him for a long time. They even admit like this guy is. You know. But they were like, stay with him, and he will keep you alive. Right. Exactly. Of... And he was like the main guy, and he knew what he, he knew his shit and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would have just thought that they would have been a little bit more. Yeah. You know, respectful. And yeah. that one scene kind of shows that they didn't really give a fuck what he was saying. Yeah. Well, well let's let's just bottom line this. Do you recommend it? I do. I, I I give it a, a a very modest recommendation, but a recommendation nonetheless. No, I, I'm going to say no. I mean, the the tank scenes weren't weren't enough. Uh, the war scenes weren't enough for me. Uh, I needed I need a little bit more. Especially it's a war it's a war movie. You have to get a little bit deeper than you know good shootouts and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just. Uh, not something that I would recommend, but just barely. I mean, there's. What, would you yeah. say, no? Thank you. <laughs> I would say no. Thank you. No. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's enough of fury. Let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, The Book of Life. Welcome to the land of the remember. I made it. And on the day of the dead, no less. Where? Where is? You're going to be a little disoriented at first. Don't try to take it all in at once. Let's start with your name. My name is Manolo Sanchez. <gasps> Another Sanchez? Man, that family just keeps growing. My family? They'll help me find Maria. C- can you take me to them? I would love nothing more than to reunite a young couple. Just hold on. <laughs> you know, I've been down here for years awaiting my beloved honey bunny. Hi, honey. Ah, too soon. Go! Right. <laughs> book of in the book of life, a young man who is torn between fulfilling the expectations of his family and following his heart embarks on an adventure that spans three fantastic worlds where he must face his greatest fears. That's really generic for this movie. <laughs> did you know what I did right there when I screamed? You know what that's the called? Grito. Ah, very good. So, uh, Cody, you didn't see this movie. I did not. Kiko and I did. Kiko, mm-hmm. what'd you think? Um, you know. I was familiar with uh, the director, George Gutierrez, um, some of his past work. He did a really, really underrated um, animated show for Nickelodeon a few years ago called El Tigre, Tigre. The Adventures of Manny Rivera. Uh, It only lasted one season, um, which is pretty crazy because it was... Actually, very good. What cartoon. What is that? Uh, aren't seasons a little longer? How many episodes? Did it I'm have? not sure. I, mean, I think it, maybe because I know uh, cartoon 15, seasons 10, are usually uh, shorter or longer. No, longer. longer. Oh, I don't usually, know. I, they usually pump out like thirty of them. Oh, really? I'm not sure how many how many episodes he got through, but uh, one season. That's it. That's all they gave him. Um, I, I talked to George uh, last week, and he just felt like those kind of flavors weren't um, people weren't ready for that here uh, because it's really based on you know. More Latin American culture and stuff like that. So, um, well, this is based on, and then this is based on uh, the Day of the Dead, uh, Dia de los Muertos, yeah. um, and the style of it is just great. I mean, um, I really enjoyed some of the uh, you know 
the 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 rendering of the characters and uh, well, a lot of the backgrounds. Um, if people aren't familiar with the Day of the Dead, it's uh, the kind of uh, really ornate skulls you see. Like that's kind of the big motif is the 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 really decorated skulls. Right, right. Uh, there's it's a lot of color, a lot of uh, there's altars that uh, you set up for people that have. Uh, passed away that you loved one that I passed away and the idea is that you set up altars for them so they can come back and enjoy the stuff that they liked when they were alive in the afterlife. So, you know, you know, if you know somebody who, you know, loved, uh, you know, I don't know, the Dos Equis and, you know, <laughs> Barbacoa Tacos or, you know. Um, Why does it always have to be something Hispanic? <laughs> or it like... could be, yeah, it could be apple pie yeah. and, you know, whatever. You put it on their altar and then they return and they enjoy it and, that, and that's the the premise of this movie is that uh it's it's uh it right. begins with the day of the dead celebration right exactly and there's these two characters uh both spirits one that uh is uh, in charge of the land of the living or land of the remembered uh where everybody is remembered and then that's there's the another la muerte, one no, la, muerte. la muerte and then there's a guy that's uh in charge of the land of the forgotten which you when you forget all your the people that die, then they go there. Zabalba. Too. Ah, very good. Yeah. Zabalba. Zabalba. With an so, X. <laughs> so these two, guys, uh, these two characters get together and they put uh, a wager down on these two young men uh, who have been fighting over the same uh, young woman to see who will win her heart. Um, there's a great opening uh, first. 45 minutes of this movie I thought did really well in setting everything up uh, right after that center right at the center right at the intermission I guess you can say mm-hmm. it started going downhill well right when the clip with the clip we played pretty much right when that starts right um, yeah and I think it's they, they the second half is of them going into the land of the remembered and it's just just the story just gets really cliche and um, uh, they throw everything into the movie I, like I said I, I like some of the uh, the great animation that that they did. There's a characters look like they've been carved out of wood. They look almost like uh, <clears throat> I want to say like little marionettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're wood. You know, they have hinges. Their arms are hinged. And right, everything. right. And and they that's you can see that a little bit in his other work of uh, El Tigre. And then they, they do two. There's a, mi- a nice mix of 2D and 3D animation in this that I liked. And you see a lot of the, that's how El Tigre was drawn as a 2d they do that a lot now uh if you've seen the new teenage mutant ninja turtles cartoon they do that too oh really i know a mix of 2d and 3d so yeah that part seems seamless to me on the way that it went back and forth but just the story in general uh as it kept on going it just didn't hold up at all there's a lot of stuff going on in this, and there is a lot of stuff going on in it (laughs) one one of the things that george told me when i interviewed him was that this is his first movie but it also could be his last movie (laughs) just depending on how it does. So um, he decided to just throw everything he possibly could into it because he felt like, okay, I'm going to throw in a billion uh, sugar skulls because somewhere down the line, somebody's going to tell me to take out half of them. So I'll still have 500 million. But then <laughs> during the during the production, they let him basically do what he wanted. So the billion sugar skulls there, are ended there liter- up. literally a billion no it's just a kind of a metaphor okay. you know they he put in so much of it because they thought they were, he was they're gonna ask him to take a step back and say hey this is too much but it ended up being the final film so there's there's a lot of stuff it's like it it reminds me almost like of how 
there's too much in Transformers where you really can't even keep your eyes focused on something well, on I the even, screen because it's just so colorful and there's so much background and there's so much everything that's happening that. Well, I meant more of the plot. Oh, right. Because it starts like it, okay. it had, there's a framing device in this, right? No, I that I thought was dumb. So it starts with uh, like some stupid, like typical, uh, like CG crappy cartoon kids. Uh, visiting a museum. Right, and they're going to learn the history of... For whatever reason. And if it's not obvious that the two people they meet are Zabalba and La Muerte... Disguised disguise. as a museum. For whatever reason? I don't know. I don't know what they felt the framing device was necessary for, unless... The only thing I can think of, and, and I don't know if you feel this way, and I don't know if, if you talked to George about this, it's a little whitewashed to me. Like oh right, uh, they needed some characters. They needed some white, some non-Hispanic characters, and I guess non-Hispanic actors, because you know, Diego Luna plays Manolo mm-hmm. as an adult, and Zoe Saldana, I guess, counts as Hispanic. Yeah, she's Hispanic. Who can also count as African American? Mm-hmm. Man, what a what a <laughs> she what a double she broke the, she uh, she had both she had paid dirt there. But then uh, the third uh, um, main character, what is his name? Uh, Channing Tatum. Is played by Channing Tatum. Um, oh, the uh, character. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's not Channing Tatum, <laughs> the main character. Um, Channing Tatum. What is his name? Something with an M. Did you? Oh, Manolo. Looked at, well, Manolo Cody the... looked at me like he knew it, but I know he doesn't. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll get. We'll get it. We'll get it. Anyway, but it's played by Channing Tatum, and uh, Zabulba is played by Ron Perlman, who I love his voice, mm-hmm. but it just seems to me like, like they threw in these. Because Channing Tatum just doesn't fit the character at all. Yeah, I didn't get that casting at all. But um, I mean, I it feels a little like like they didn't want to stock this with with Hispanic actors. I think I don't know. I don't know if you feel that way or not. Well, I mean, there's a who's who among Hispanic actors in here, so I just think that they wanted to kind of spread it out a little bit more. But what's the point in having Channing Tatum play a, a Mexican man? You know what I mean? <laughs> Like what? Like what's like? He doesn't. He doesn't do an accent. He doesn't do anything other than speak as Channing. Maybe Tatum. they're trying to say that not all people from Mexico actually have a Mexican accent. Okay, and let me ask you something about this. What did you think of uh, when they show like the establishing shot of the world, the globe? Do you remember this? Uh-huh. And they zoom into Mexico, and it has a big old bushy mustache. <laughs> That sounds racist. It does sound racist, doesn't it? But I don't know. I mean, is it like I'm not Hispanic, so I don't know. But what do you think? As I as am, I am outraged. I, I'm I'm Hispanic, but I can't grow facial hair, so I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> oh, you're too. You have too much Native American. There blood. you go. That's, that's what, what it is. that's wrong. Uh, Cody's half Hispanic, and he has he has a big bushy. Beard. I could grow a killer mustache, but I mean, it's I it's like a zoom in, and it's a and it, for real, it, it's the country of Mexico has a big bushy black. Kind of I, curled mustache. I don't think it's. I don't think that's racist, but I mean, I don't think it's racist, well, no, but no. I don't know that it's not stereotypical. It is, no, yeah, it's, it, it is stereotypical, stereotypical. No, without doubt. But I think I don't think any of this, the movie, other than little things like that, are stereotypical. I mean, I think they really try to get that you know the sense of what this holiday is all about. I just don't think that the story in the second half. Yeah, once ca- once that. once you get to the land of the dead, there's a lot of stuff going on, and it but it just sort of happens. Like there's no real conflict. It's like, hey, we have to do this, so let's go do this. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have to do this now. Let's go do this now. There's no skill to it. Like, there's like to get 
to get to where they're going, they have to accomplish a feat that has never been accomplished before, and they just do it. You know right, what I mean? Right. Oh, and then fucking Ice Cube shows up. <laughs> Maybe that's why I hated this. Uh, the second half of this movie so, so much. So there's three mythical characters uh, that are in charge of the afterlife. I guess there's La Muerte, who's who rules the land of the remembered. There's the Bulba, who. Are these uh, Latino review writers? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Look, man, their scoops are valid. They'll show you. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, Zabalba, who rules the land of the forgotten, who has a brief moment of being like really dickishly evil, and then he kind of dials it back. Right. I love that you keep on using words to describe children's movies as... Uh... Speaking of which, this was, I took my thir- th- uh, three-year-old to this, thinking that, okay, it's just a kid's movie. She freaked out like she's she, every time. Okay, so she left. She sat there through the whole movie watching it. But then we realized that it's because she was scared. So <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to move. She didn't want to move. She didn't want to get off. Uh, Your kid's a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to get off of my. Uh, she was sitting on my wife's lap through the whole thing, and she was just staring at the thing because there's this one c- character. It's a like a demonish type bull. Um, but I swear, even it's been what a week. Since we've seen it, it's been yeah a week. Every time we see a trailer on TV, still, and we saw one, we saw a couple today. Um, she looks at me. She's like, "The bull's scary. The bull, <laughs> the bull's scary." So we're scared that we've scarred her for life. So she's gonna see a bull and just freak out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, the, so there are scary. Mo- I'm just saying, there's scary moments. Yeah, and then uh, so the third character that's that's part of the afterlife is the candle maker. Who, Ice Cube, who has a a a, a crate like it's kind of grim because he talk like he b- makes the candle that is your life, and then you see like candles being snuffed out, <laughs> people cool. dying. But he's voiced by Ice Cube, speaking as though he's Ice Cube today. <laughs> That's awesome, and uh, it's really distracting. Very, very like distracting. really, really distracting. Because I mean, I like Ice Cube as an actor, but at this. point, at this in this role, it was just not right at all, and uh, oh God, he even says he even gets in. Today was a good day. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> and you know, he's just like, whatever. I'm getting a fucking paycheck. For yeah. This. Uh, so, do you guys recommend it? I I'm I'm just on the side of not. Okay. I think there's, I think like Kika was saying, it looks fantastic. And I think the Day of the Dead, the imagery of the holiday, again, if you're not familiar with it, I mean, take a look at it. It's, uh, what is it? it, is, it is it technically technically on Halloween or the day after? It's know? the day after. The day after. So, you know, it's always right there paired with Halloween. And there's there's a lot of beauty to it and a lot of uh, uh, kind of repurposing grim images like skulls into something really pretty. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does that really well. But just the story is not – just doesn't support Yeah, it. I, I love the, the animation part of it. I think he does a great job um, putting these character, characters together, even the ones that we don't like. Like, I mean, the candle maker was w- very weak, but he, he seemed pretty cool. And went, he had a know, beard made of clouds, right? right? <laughs> so it's kind of – but I, I love the look of this. I just re- – I really do. I really love the way that they put it all together. I just – again, I couldn't – I can't recommend it. I can't because it's just very, very weak in the second half. Again, I love the way that they set it up. That framing device just pissed me off, though, too. I hate framing devices, typically. 
Uh, but this was just extra. Like, why this? Why is this even here? Like, the story alone was enough. Right. Right. Anyway. Anyway, that's a no for me. Yeah. Sorry, book of as life. much as much as it pains me because I'm brown. As much as you wish you could grow a mustache, <laughs> like Mexico did. You know what? I should do a a, a TV show called Brownish. Right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. Make some money. All right. Moolah. Gonna go write my pilot now. <laughs> you should have said make some dinero. But I'm gonna have Anthony Anderson make in some it dinero. too. Get Zoe Saldana because she can do both. Oh, that's good. Ah. And we can have a crossover episode. Ah, <laughs> shit. This is money. Money in the bank. Yep. All right, let's move on to our last review Men, Women, and Children. Donna, why don't you tell us what brought you here tonight? Thanks. Um, well, my daughter is getting to an age where she's starting to develop. And. You know, I was just wondering um, what the laws were about what you can and can't post on the Internet. In our state, the laws are far more lenient than they should be. They are? Yeah. Uh, if someone is sending photos to your daughter... Yes, but I'm also actually wondering about if, if she were to send her own. Oh, I see. Like, if she were to take a picture of herself in a bathing suit... Before you go... I want to give you a pamphlet about the dangers of selfies. Great. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let me get through this summary here. A group of high school teenagers and their parents attempt to navigate the many ways the Internet has changed their relationships, their communication, their self-image, and their love lives. The evil Internet. We all saw this movie. Fuck this movie, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) Cody. Yeah. You start. We saw this together. Yeah. This is a abomination of a movie. This movie blows. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to start, so I'm just going to start rattling okay, shit off. Okay, first of all, this <laughs> is from Jason Reitman, yeah. who has done some fantastic films. Yeah. Uh, Up in the Air and uh, Young Adult are my two personal favorites. Uh, uh, also has done Juno. I love Up in the Air. I've, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, uh, Up in the Air is definitely his best. Uh, also done Juno. Uh, Thank you for smoking. And then last year's really, last year's really bad. Uh, Labor, Day. Labor, Labor Day. Day. So, and his follow up to Labor Day, he proves to be on a cold streak because this movie sucks. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to try to to navigate this, but it's going to be really hard. Um, first of all, I don't know what this movie is about. Is it about sex? Is it about the internet? Is it about both? I don't. I don't. I think it's know. about anything that you say that you think it's about. It's about. I think that's one of the problems here. But it, but it's not successful in any of it. Right. But it tries to do it all. Well, it's just, and, it, and it's not breaking any new ground. No. No. Not at all. I'm in. In like even the visualization of text messages and stuff. Like, huh, well, like uh, Chef did it better. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then um, even like. Uh, did either of you see Warm Bodies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Warm Bodies had a joke at the beginning about everybody being zombies looking at their yeah. phone. And then uh, I, I, because of uh, Ansel Elgort, mm-hmm. is that how you say it, uh, is in this film also. It just reminds me of The Fault in Our Stars, yeah. which did it fantastically as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's it's like it, 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 it tries to do the, the like people in sexual ruts or sexual dysfunction of some kind. And that doesn't really pay off. You know, you've got a character, a, a kid who, uh, you know, got so, I, I guess. Uh, the idea is that the Internet has made uh, people distant, s- young, people distant from right. one another. And 
the availability of pornography for this kid who's it's, 15 has, it's, it's basically desensitized himself to pornography and so he can't he can't become aroused unless it's it's he can't fuck a, a pretty hot girl yeah well, because I want to go. I want to go back to that later. Okay, but okay. Uh, that, that's the same uh, kind of theme of, uh, of something of uh, Don John, where he's yeah, yes. So he can't, you know, he can't perform unless it's it, it like it. He has to go deeper and deeper. Perform into, like tap dance. What are yeah, you talking about? yeah. He can't tap dance with his dick. <laughs> unless, uh, so anyway, um, so so yeah, you know. And then there's also the internet side of things, which is you know kind of played by. A terrible Jennifer Garner in a terrible role, just the most annoying role of an overprotective mom. Who there's nobody like this that I exists. mean, and she's wearing okay Jennifer Garner, uh, who I really liked recently in Alexander and the Terrible Horrible No Good Very Bad Day. I think that was a she was good nice... in Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, yeah. yeah, forgot about that. But uh, she here she is saddled with like the worst role in this terrible movie. Yeah, as sort of the she's wearing nerd glasses and yeah. she's. Okay, if I'm if I'm gonna guess that she's got a teenage daughter, she's roughly thirty five to forty. Yeah, you know she has a fifteen year old daughter, so she fucking grew up with this shit because yeah. that's how old I am. Yeah, so she knows what's on. You know, she's it's not like my mom. You right, know, a fifty nine year old woman. 50, yeah, my mom's not that old. She'll get mad if I say that, but uh, she doesn't listen. <laughs> if she did, she'd be outraged. Uh, but it's not like it's not like somebody who didn't grow up like with computers. This yeah. is a, this is a woman who was who was in her twenties when this stuff exploded. So she knows what the fuck it is. So it portrays her as this just just the sky is falling yeah. freak who monitors her daughter's text messages with some like ridiculously fake technology. Yeah, it, like a USB keylogger that just plugs in. Yeah. This movie is so hard to talk about because it's so sprawling. There are so many characters and storylines in this movie, and they try to juggle them all at once. So Jennifer Garner uh, is one of those stories. Uh, Like we said, she's an overprotective mom. Uh, There's another uh, story with uh, Adam Sandler, who's making another dramatic turn here, trying to, uh, alongside Rosemary DeWitt. And they play a couple who have lost spark. And uh, there's the hilarious thing of like, of like where they show an Ashley Madison commercial and and people behind us were like <gasps> and I'm like yeah that's, oh, there was, that's Ashley Madison <laughs> everybody in the, the like there were a bunch of old biddies in the theater oh my god they were like just astounded by everything yeah okay so the premise is with with Adam Sandler and uh, Rosemary DeWitt there are a couple that's lost their spark Adam Sandler jerks off to porn yeah to the point where he's clogged up his computer with malware yeah. Which so that's when he goes to his son's computer, who's the <laughs> the boy who's who is desensitized to sex. I actually like the the the, the malware party. That's <laughs> funny. God, you don't know how many computers I fixed. Yeah, of, of people that are like, can you help me? So, so that's that's so so yeah. So they each go their separate ways to find to, what to, they're looking for. Yeah. One and the Dewitt goes through Ashley Madison and finds a. I could go. I could have gone my whole fucking life without David Haysbert, who plays the the guy she hooks up with, talking about how she would only be able to fit half of his dick in her mouth. <laughs> I was I was trying so hard not to laugh when he basically turned into like Barry White. <laughs> 
But <laughs> but yeah, and then we have a story of uh, Judy Greer and her daughter, who, oh God, this who, is the worst. who basically is is like putting her on like an an underage kind of like like okay. tease porn, well, softcore okay, porn. She's just, making money off of her daughter. Well, yeah. the, well, no, hold on. The setup is that Judy Greer is a failed actress. Yes, she had gone to L.A. and got pregnant by a uh, producer. <laughs> <laughs> Who also, she must be like 35 yes. also. So she grew up with this shit too. So she knows what she's doing. So she uh, goes back to Texas. This takes place in Austin, though you would never know it. No, not unless you pay attention to the background yeah. stuff. Um, so she goes back to Texas to raise her daughter. And her daughter is just this vapid bitch who wants to be a star. Yeah, she and wants that, to be famous. Is, yeah. So the, the pathway to this is... <laughs> She's uh, creating a, uh, a. She created a website for her where she poses for poses in like. Mo- it was started as a headshot thing. Yeah, and then it's lingerie. And- Perv started emailing asking for private shows. So she's basically doing like child porn teasing. Yeah, like it's not. It's, she's not it, full on naked or yeah. anything, but she's in like bikinis and underwear. But and this stuff. this vapid character that she is, like you described, she's just the worst character. And 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 what you were saying. There's a scene where she she hooks up with the guy who has the the the, the porn problem. Because remember, all these stories are, are intertwined somehow, somehow intertwining yeah. and together. It's like, and spoiler alert: he can't get it up when they do it or whatever. So like, she's this impossibly hot actress and and character, and and she's like, the, her explanation is. I thought you were my best chance. Like at what? Like okay, yeah, because it because she talks about having sex, like bef- bragging to her friends. Yeah, but then it's which, impl- by the way, just lie about it if it's if you're not going to do it anyway and lie, just lie about the whole thing. But then it's but, impl- then she kind of implies that she's a virgin. Is that what that scene's I, supposed I, to mean? I don't really know because there's a line that says you are my best chance. Like your like your best chance at having sex. Like really? Like <laughs> yeah, like she's really smoking hot. Yeah. Like, and and apparently just easy as pie, like <laughs> yeah. just, just one of those things that like she's she's down she's DTF as the yeah. kids say <laughs> she's definitely DTF. And then you have the storyline, which see you thought that was the worst. No, I thought I thought this one was the worst too. The eating disorder yeah. one. Okay. Oh yeah, I yeah. forgot about that one because it it oh fuck. There's there, so basically it's this girl who I guess used to be overweight. And she was she. I didn't even think yeah, get because, that part because remember they when she's when she's talking to like the jock guy who who is a jock but doesn't play sports apparently. Okay, yeah, because she's another one of the friends of the the vapid bitch. But remember, there was the line about having sex with her if he could find the hole. Oh yeah, she used to, she she lost all that weight. But really? looked, see that but, didn't. But no, there's there's several mentions. But the actress looks like she's like twelve. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so you're like, yeah. wait a minute, what? Like, yeah, and so and so basically. Uh, she she she's starving herself. She has an eating disorder, and uh, and there's so many things wrong with this. But the the first thing is she has plastered on her wall pictures of like imp- like crazy skinny women, and it's just plastered with like flat stomachs and stuff like that. And they're all in their underwear. And they're all in their underwear. And and J.K. Simmons, who plays her dad, just kind of pops in and looks around and like nah, nothing. He pops in, brings her her dinner. Yeah. And then she gets on, and and I guess see this is the one story that doesn't really have any kind of connection to the internet, yeah. Except that she visits, she like, visits a forum that that where she, where she can get support from other young other girls anorexics. that you know but, give her give her really bad advice. But again, just like cheating, 
And just like porn, this is something that existed before the internet. Yes. Like, the internet's not responsible for this. Well, and it's like she has so many signs of an eating disorder, and the parents are just like, well. Because she's, yeah, the actress is super, I mean, the actress looks, if the actress is older than, like, 15, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Um, and she's, and so she's, she's, she's totally obsessed with this, with this football player. And again, like we said, he's got a letter jacket with a number on it, but yet he's sitting in the stands of a football game. I don't know. And and they're like, he's introduced, they're playing a video game with real guitars or something. (laughs) I don't even know what the fuck is going on in that scene. (laughs) You looked at me like, wait, are they, what are are those real guitars? (laughs) They're strumming guitars like and he just looks like the worst douche. Yeah. Like he's just an asshole like I mean but like even like the character design like they made his hair like greasy. Yeah. Like it's just this vapid fuck, you yeah. know, this fucking tool. And, and the the way this storyline plays itself out is just ridiculous and Let's tell him cuz yeah. cuz she ends up feeling pressure from the slutty friend to have sex. So she basically like throws herself at him. Yeah. They have sex, and how long is this? What's the span of time in this film? I don't. I feel like I it's a, a like a couple weeks, but yeah. So she ends up uh, passing out at school. Yeah, with blood. Not because of the sex. Yeah. Because, well, well, they didn't have sex at school, right? So they have sex, and later she passes out at school, blood running down her leg. It turns out she had an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. And because she was malnourished, her body rejected it. Yes. So she got pregnant by this dude. And yeah. because she doesn't eat food, she miscarried, yeah. which and then that's and like, really the end of her story. And I like the text that's like, don't tell anyone we had sex. Like, oh, yeah, don't tell anyone you had sex with a cheerleader. That would ruin your reputation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's it's so ridiculous to talk about. And we could go on and on and on about everything. I want to say one last thing about the bad stuff. And then I want to get to the kind of little nugget of good stuff. Okay. What the fuck is with the Emma Thompson narration oh, yeah. with the Voyager spacecraft? <laughs> First of all, it sounds like it sounds like she's reading it sounds like Stranger Than Fiction. Yes. And at one point you said something like Harold Crick cannot <laughs> get an erection without <laughs> yeah. something. And it was yeah. so it's it's this big idea, I guess, that and this is my guess, that at one point technology was innovative and exploratory and yeah. for the betterment of mankind. Yeah. Cause it talks about the gold discs on, yeah. on, on Voyager one or maybe it wasn't Voyager one. Anyway, Voyager spacecraft. And then it cuts to the vapid shit that we do with technology now. Right. Which is an easy fucking argument yeah. and really yeah. pedantic for it is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean, and these, it's got these big ideas that, have definitely been made before. But are they are they even really big ideas though? Well, uh, that's what I'm saying. It thinks it's got these giant ideas about about technology and the internet and stuff. But it's like but it's like it doesn't stay on anything too long because when you think it's about technology then there's stuff about sexual dysfunction and and it goes Well, I think back that and forth. I I think that all of it is supposed to be tied into how like easily go, the oh, internet yeah. facilitates like they go hand in hand or dick yeah. in hand as it were. <laughs> uh, the but the one like I wanted to say the one good thing about this thing and it's and it's really small and really tiny, but the Ansel Elgort and uh, Caitlin Deaver storyline I think is is decent enough. It reminded me too much again of uh, the Fault in Our Stars, except nobody was. It's, dying. it's the best part of the movie. Yeah, and again, it's not it's not all good because there is that odd explanation of exactly what Tumblr is. That is a fucking thing about this movie <laughs> is that it's like 
like a teen would never explain to another teen. Well, here, no, no. Actually, here's 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 what happens. She goes, "I actually have a secret Tumblr where I write stuff down that I'm feeling, and sometimes it's not even what I feel. I just copy what other people say and post it. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's and Tumblr. He, yeah, and I'm 35 years old, and I fucking know that. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's a fucking Tumblr. Like that's what you do. Like if you look at anybody's Tumblr, it's you like just reblog. You just reblog pictures. Yeah. So the so the movie takes time out to explain to the old timers, I yeah. guess. You know, what exactly this tum like what's a tumbler? Yeah. <laughs> but the the scenes between them I think are really great. And even uh even Dee Norris playing uh Ansel Elgort's dad m- spends most of his time in the movie uh not having anything stupid, not doing anything stupid yeah. until the very end. Yeah, everyone in this movie is a piece of shit except for except for basically Dee Norris and then the kids. The two, the, I mean, every adult in this movie, I guess I should say, is a piece of shit except yeah. for Dean Norris. Uh, and Judy Greer has a, I mean, other than being a cut, uh, like a complete moron yeah. about the child porn she's forcing her daughter to do yeah. or allowing her daughter to do, has some moments of clarity. Because the scene we played was a scene where she visits, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Jennifer Garner has a class on how to not, yeah. or some support group yeah. on how to not. Uh, yeah, this this movie is just such a swing and a miss. It's such a misfire, like from every <clears throat> single. Angle. I don't know that it's a swing and a miss. I don't know that they're even in the same park as the ball. <laughs> they're like, playing two different sports. Like they're like yeah, like someone brought a basketball to a hockey game. <laughs> and there's just no way to work it out. Yeah, it's a mess. I, I've seen people um, comparing it to like Crash. I think that's which, an apt comparison. Except for it never really does come together completely. I mean, well, yeah, I, I mean Crash. Came together, but like it was totally dishonest. As though there's only like three cops in L.A. Yeah. Oh yeah, I hated Crash. Yeah. But, but this just has it indicts the internet to a point where it's like, but are you are you shitting me? This is 2014. And you're like talking about the ills of the internet. Like it's an indictment. But I can I can't I can't dig a message out of this thing, no matter how you slice it. I mean, I guess the internet is bad. I guess. Like, I mean, the internet's bad because it takes away human interaction. I don't know. It's just like, it's filled with so many awful characters. And like, every single second Jennifer Garner's on the screen, you just want to like, throw something at it. And the, the the weirdest part is like, you think she's a single mom at first. Yeah. But at least what I thought. Yeah. And then yes. her like, like her husband's around. He's like, oh, like it's her, it's the kid's dad. Yeah. Like, he's he's, he's probably the most uh, realistic uh, character in the whole movie. He doesn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> But but the, the and just the whole plot line of her she has a keylogger like some yeah. like ridiculous magical USB device it's yeah <laughs> it monitors her daughter but it doesn't monitor the uh, the secret Tumblr yeah, page the keylogger doesn't log the keystrokes that she makes on that page for whatever reason God man oh, God. it's just insulting and there's it's so poorly written the, uh, it's just such a he didn't write it, did he? Yeah, he co-wrote oh, he, it. Oh, he co-wrote it. Yeah. But uh, you interviewed him. Did he have a, a a a clear message behind this? Well, I I remember I asked him if um this was supposed to be like a um what's the term? Can't even think of the term right now. Dog shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Satire? No. <laughs> no, not satire. No. <laughs> Like a, a cautionary tale. That's it. Okay. If it was a cautionary tale, and he said he didn't believe in cautionary tales, he was just kind of trying to tell a story about intimacy and how. So what the fuck was the point? Yeah. Oh shit. It Did... it, it it just seems it just seems like a like a scare tactic. And I mean, I work in 
local news. So, I mean, we trade in this stuff, you know, where it's like, can you believe what kids are doing on the internet these but days? It's, it's, it's that, but it's a little bit, I feel like it's mixed in with like the shit that Aaron Sorkin does on, on the newsroom where <laughs> yeah. it's just like, it's yeah. just like hindsight, uh, revisionist history type stuff where it's just like, we know better and you don't like yeah. that, that. Mm. The, and thing. then even like, like stuff like world of Warcraft gets shit on. Yeah. Like it's as though it's some evil, and I, I don't really think there's no real point of view at the end of it. There's no, like you never see the only person you see that has overreacted and gets her comeuppance, I guess, is Jennifer Garner. You know, nobody else really. But you know, even and again, look, I'm, we're not going to turn on the spoiler zone. I'm just going to spoil this. But <laughs> she she poses as uh, she poses as uh, as as oh yeah, Caitlyn uh, as as uh, yeah, because Ansel uh, okay. She finds Caitlin Deaver's secret Tumblr. Yeah. Which she, uh, Caitlin Deaver has told Ansel Elgort. Yeah, they have this budding relationship. Yeah, that's the only place they can talk without. That's the if you ever get a message from me, you yeah. there on Tumblr, you know that's me. Yeah. So Jennifer Garner finds that. Yeah. And uh, at after uh, Ansel El- after Dean Norris, uh, who finally turns into a shitty character. Which which by the way. I canceled the credit. I called the credit card company, and they deleted your account. Like what? Yeah, your World of Warcraft account <laughs> was was deleted by the credit card company. That's the, and, and his his biggest complaint was that that guys were talking shit about his mom. Yeah, they were like, "Fuck your mom!" Like as though, <laughs> as if that's what they literally meant, and as if <laughs> as if this fucking man has never heard that shit before. Right? Exactly. Like God, these are people. These are real people that lived in the world. They didn't yeah. just fall out of the sky. <laughs> and, yeah, and so anyway, yeah, they're not like. Past, it's not like all pastors or something, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, what? Yeah, they're not talking about the Lord. And <laughs> uh, you know. uh, so anyway, they, they get to a conversation. She finds the Tumblr page. Jennifer Garner does, and she poses as her daughter and talks to Ansel Elgort when he's really upset, and 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 basically says, "I don't want to talk to you anymore." Blah blah blah. Yeah, and so it leads to Ansel Elgort's character attempting suicide by overdose, and Jennifer Garner gets there and she sees what she's caused. And there's there's just no consequences to it. There's nothing after it. There's nothing that shows that like that's a jail sentence. Yeah, she she let a kid. <laughs> she almost let a kid to suicide, and they just kind of. But I mean, that's been that's. It. There's been cases where that's been prosecuted. You yeah, know, people posing as other people. There's a f- uh, infamous case of a of a of a woman doing that and leading a teen to girl to suicide yeah. you know, as though she was posing as other girls bullying her. And I mean, it's we're, like, this and, is and like, awful. It's yeah. awful. And where's Dean Norris during any of this? Like when Jennifer Garner shows up or like, it's, it's like, there's no consequences to the actions that she had. And like, this is a character you, you almost want to see get her come up. And it's because she's such a, a wretched bitch in the movie. And it's like, uh, Nothing happens. There's no change. Her. There's no change to her at all. No, she does change. She, but well, she cries. I mean, oh well, I guess at the end she does. She she, she takes the key, the key logger. Oh well, but, but she doesn't. But there's no like, oh fuck, I almost killed a kid. Oh no, there's none of that. There's, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like what the hell? You know that I was having an. I mean, and it's really heart. I mean, that's a kind of a heart wrenching scene. Like because he's, you know, it's 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 honest from Ansel Elgort's character's point of view. You know, he's bummed out and he's trying to get a hold of the girl. Yeah. And then it's just it's like plays right into this fucking caricature. It's like, oh, it's just so. I don't know, there's, yeah, there's so many little after school special type 
yes. <laughs> feelings that I got out of this. I mean, even like the shot of the pill bottle next to the computer. You yeah. know he's going to try to kill himself. Well, I, I actually said at some point <laughs> Chekhov's, to, Chekhov's pill bottle because you see him playing with it on the bus oh, right. at first. And, and it's like, yeah. it's But, but you know, it's almost – even if you eliminate all of the terrible characterization and things that go on – the, the 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 I mean the the fundamental problem with this movie is that it tries to do a million things, uh, and it spreads itself way too thin, and it's not successful with any of it. I mean, we describe like five or six separate storylines that are going on here, and is that yeah. even all of them? Yeah, that's all of them. Okay, I think I, th- I think that's. I mean, th- there are all there are sub storylines that take place where those different characters interact in different ways, but. Yeah, but you know that's kind of. The- oh, and, and I just want to say Adam Sandler's like he gets an escort. Yeah, who's like eight hundred dollars an hour or something like that. He yeah. sees on the. I mean, he must have spent like four grand on yeah. this escort. But of course, of course, the first you know lifetime they meet, <laughs> he has the stammering scene where he describes what he does for work. I mean, it's just it's all cliche that whole thing, and it's just what are we watching? Like, is this? I'm surprised a guy like Jason Reitman would would put together something so cliche and, and, and lame and uh it's surprising. I do you, do you think this is just a a bad streak or do you think that this was what he had all along and he got lucky? No, I think that I I, I it's it's very hard for me to attribute up in the air to luck. Um uh I, I think that I mean I don't really know because you know Hmm. It, I mean, it's hard to say. Do, Kiko, since you talked to him, he doesn't take this like this isn't a personal tale for him, right? This is a uh, no. Just, I mean, just, he's like some directors where you ask a director, you know, what the you know what's your inspiration type st- question. You know, that's a cliche question to ask, but you know, where did you get a story like this from? And a lot of directors that I've talked to always say that uh, they want to make something that's kind of uh in the same realm of where they are in their lives you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing so i think uh, jason ryman has a eight-year-old daughter so he's starting to get you know i want the phone the daughter's asking you know for yeah. things or i want to be online or whatever yeah. so i think that he started asking himself questions about that and but again i don't it, know it just kind of like reeks of a movie that is trying to be poignant yeah in- right and and in and, and, and we've seen this before with uh stuff um Mostly in the 90s, I want to say, when the internet, nobody knew what it was. Yeah. You know, so people was scared like the net and, yeah. you know, Lawnmower Man and all that yeah. bullshit. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, with the, with, with the internet being so prevalent, I mean, we have how many devices at this table that are connected to the internet right now and people living on it all day long. Mm-hmm. You, there's no cautionary tale to be told by this. You know, like Facebook isn't ruining people's lives. Well, I if mean, you're gonna if you're gonna do that, you need to take it to the extreme and parody it. Yeah, I mean, this is when satire would be, uh, you know, yeah. welcome, I guess. But uh, I, but as for you know, but like the social commentary part of it, it's just like it just falls flat. And I and I assume that all this stuff was licensed. Uh, yeah, because I mean, they're it's very definitely Facebook. It's very definitely Tumblr. It's not anything fake. Yeah. So I don't know why this stuff would be. But, I, I think because in some cases it's just actual. It's it's kind of like, yeah, this is how this is how this works. Uh, I, I don't ever. I don't even think it's 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 at, at times it's a cautionary tale. I think it's just kind of a study on how things are now. And it just but the whole thing just seems to me like it's a cautionary. Like it's the whole thing seems to 
like that's how I feel about the whole thing is that it's looking down on the but, internet. But, but I never, I never, I never get the sense that they make the argument for anything different or going well, no, I mean, face to face with each other. I don't you think know? they, I don't think any argument is successful. But I think I don't even I mean, know if it's if it's attempted. I never felt like it was attempted. Because like Ashley Madison, maybe they don't give a shit. You know, it's free advertising. Oh for them, yeah, they don't. And give they it. love it. I mean, it's so, a, well, that's the, what's what, that's what they're looking. For. I mean, it's not like it's saying anything bad about yeah. Ashley Madison. That's yeah, what they do. I mean, right. it's a website that up. gets married people to cheat on each other. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they care about morals. But I mean, like uh, World, of, <laughs> like World of Warcraft. Uh, I mean, it's, well, it's it's Guild Wars in this one. Oh, is it Guild Wars? It's Guild Wars. Well, yeah. that's sorry. What's the difference? Is, well, is Guild Wars a real game? It is. Okay. Well. I don't know okay. what the difference is. <laughs> oh, I thought you had some inside knowledge. It is Guild Wars, and if you get that You wrong... have a elephant sword in mm-hmm. Guild Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I totally stole that impression from Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's a real game, and they portray it as just full of people that talk about fucking your mom. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I didn't get that at all. I thought he was just playing a game. Well, that's all it is, but then it becomes like... Uh, it's just about... I mean, this is about parents that don't understand things that... And it's most parents today probably do understand. And the people grew up with. I mean, I don't, you know, I know people my age that have teenagers. You know, I mean, if they had a kid like right out of high school, then they've got a 15 year old, 16 year old. This reminds me of like when Facebook first started. I remember uh, at my old job, they didn't understand why I wanted to put it, why I wanted to use it for the the company that I worked with because they thought it was going to give everybody a virus. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. Like you, Sign up on Facebook and you're going to get, you know, malware. The comp- Yeah, the company uh, – I mean, newsrooms up, up around the country were uh, reluctant to embrace it. Right. But now if, if you're not on Facebook, you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, everybody's there. Your mom's there. Your dad's there. Your brother, your sister. Yeah. Your aunt. Lots of aunts. Shares from your aunt. <laughs> Lots of aunts. <laughs> More aunts than anything else, I think, really. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, there's, there's nothing, I mean, there is dark and evil shit on the web. I mean, even something that can be used for good, like Reddit is full of terrible stuff. Did either of you see Disconnect, the movie that came no, out? No, you tell me about that though. Right? It's, it's a little bit similar and and it's not a great movie, but it's, it's, a, it's a lot better than this. <laughs> what is it? A, is it a, how recent is it? Uh, Disconnect came out, I think, two years ago. I'm going to double check on that real quick. But, um, did, and, uh, yeah, 2012, yeah. Did uh, either of you growing up ever have that? Because, uh, I mean, my parents had to learn from me, basically, about the Internet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you experienced that with relatives. Well, my my dad was very into computers, and so I was on a computer from a very young age. So Well, you're, you're quite, well, you're 10 years younger than me, yeah. so. So I mean I I grew up on a computer so it was it was I, mean, I didn't have yeah that. I didn't grow up on a computer I didn't start learning about the internet and what it could do until I got to my first year in college really so, mm-hmm. wow see I was using um, they're called BBSs mm-hmm. uh, where it was basically you dial into somebody else's computer and they you know they'd run a little it's kind of a prototypical website right and you could play games and stuff and it was all text based and you could chat. So I did that. There was a few BBSs around town that I would uh, call into. I'd be up late at night playing stupid games, and my mom would pick up the phone like, what's this noise? You know, the modem. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we got into America Online. Right. 
Uh, that was the first taste of the internet for me. That was probably in 93, 94. Really? That... I think I started off on net zero was the first yeah. internet I had. Um, you know, and then, like I said, my parents learned from me. 93, that's pretty I can, early. I can remember being on AOL Instant Messenger talking to friends in fifth grade. Like, that's how early yeah. I started chatting. Wow. I was, I was, I was uh, typing out um, college applications on a typewriter in really? 1998. Wow. Uh, see, I mean, we had a computer. We got a computer when I uh, was in seventh grade. Because we had a, a computer lab in in middle school, and they used Macintosh, and I was blown away. A lot of really? Oregon Trail? <laughs> no, that was in mm-hmm. uh, elementary school. We had Apple IIe's. Yeah. Those are worthless pieces of crap <laughs> that didn't do anything. We had a program called Logo, which was a drawing program. Yeah, I think I remember that, With actually. Tukey the Turtle. Do you remember that? I mean, that was I the don't cursor's remember name. Specifically, but... And, but then Oregon Trail. But then, uh, you know, with that was my first experience with a uh, graphical user interface, a GUI. Uh, and then we bought a, a Packard Bell. We got a Packard Bell for Christmas, and it had a dot matrix printer. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you know, with, you had to tear the, the sides the side off. Of, mm-hmm. And we'd print banners and shit for people's <laughs> birthdays. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everything, everything, seriously, I was the computer guy, and I fucking still am <laughs> you for get, the family. Are you serious? You get calls from your aunts. I get calls from my grandfather. Like, I get calls weekly. from my grandfather, uh, from my dad. Um, I want to get them on tablets. That's my goal because they can't fuck up a tablet. You know what right. I mean? Like I'm like next thing you need to get is an iPad. Either that or like a Chromebook where it's just like basic. Like yeah. you can't you can't do anything. Yeah, I mean my dad still uses a desktop because that's just what he uses. I mean I've seen him use a laptop to watch The Rifleman on Hulu or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's the next. That's awesome. <laughs> the, we got my mom a tablet last year for uh, for Christmas, and. Uh, and I know it sounded like a cheapskate, but uh, it was a Nook. Yeah. And uh, Barnes & Noble was blowing them out yeah, because they were discontinuing them. But they had unlocked them all, so they're just Android tablets now. Right, yeah. And it was like an $80 Android tablet. I mean, my sister got it for my mom. Yeah, why and not? It's like, fuck, why not? You, you, my mom doesn't give a shit. You yeah. Know? It's, she can sit on the couch and send an email. Look at Facebook. Uh, so even even now, I don't think my mom would be – the cautionary type. I mean, my sister and brother had phones young age. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can speak from this. I have a sister who's just turned 10 and she's been on, I remember, you know, seeing her on, on a computer since she was, you know, does she have a cell? Does she have a smartphone? Yeah. Well, she doesn't have, she doesn't have a smartphone, but she has a a cell phone. Uh, Really? Yeah. Does she is she like a rare case? Yes, and it's it's it, it goes. <laughs> she, I'm sure she's pissed about it too. Just just let I, I will let you know that there are certain parts of my family who I live with, being my mom, who are very against her having a cell phone. It was not her decision, and and no, none of her friends have it. She doesn't even use it, to be honest with you. She uses she she has a iPod uh, touch. iPod Touch that she yeah. uses for everything. That's what my sister had. Uh, I mean, you can basically turn that into a phone. Oh yeah, I mean, she FaceTimes her friends all the time, and yeah. and yeah, it's it's just so weird how, like, I thought I got into technology early, and here I have a ten year old oh, sister. Oh, oh, I mean, my sister, my niece, my niece and nephews are always on the tablets. Yeah, my my six year old niece has an iPad Mini. Yeah, and I, my sister is like, here, here's her email if you want to email her. I'm like, all right, yeah. <laughs> so I send her emails like pictures of the cat, like yeah. cat doing funny stuff. 
Yeah. I'm like, check out the cats. And I'll send her like two pictures of a cat and like a picture of a snake. And she'll send an email back like, that last one's not a cat. <laughs> like, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> so men, women, and children. Yeah. Recommended? <laughs> no. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Jason Reitman. Not at all for me either. I I can't I I don't know if this is the worst movie I've seen this year, but it is the most infuriating movie it's I've seen. It's not the this worst year. movie I've seen, but it's it's pretty damn close. I mean, it, I I hated Lucy, but this one made me even more mad. Right. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week. What do we have next week? Uh next week we will have uh John Wick, John Wick and Ouija. Oh yeah, Ouija. Uh, they sent me a Ouija board, by the way. Oh, the, you told me about film that. Company. And it, what? What's so crazy about it? It needs batteries. <laughs> what? The the little planchette. It's called. Yeah. Um, Aren't spirits supposed to move it? <laughs> well, it doesn't. It like it doesn't. I don't know what it does. I haven't put batteries in it yet. Um, it's a sex toy. <laughs> I don't know what it does, but you somehow when you press down on it, it does something. Uh, I'll get some double. I gotta get some triple A batteries. I gotta get some triple A batteries and figure out what it does. We'll are, we talk- gonna, are we gonna bring it on the show? Yeah, we are. We're gonna talk to some spirits. Nice. Have you ever played with a Ouija board? No. I don't know if you. I don't know if I want you to bring it to the show. I've never played with one, but I'm not. Are you superstitious at all? No, I mean I don't believe in that crap either. But you know, I'm not at all either. My fiance doesn't like that Ouija board in the house. Oh really? And I, I there's already one that I bought at a yard sale. And she she doesn't know about that one. No, she was there when I bought it. Oh. But I'm like, it says Hasbro on the side. <laughs> like, it's from Hasbro. Like, it's not, like, it's, it's not like. Hell's bro. It's like getting afraid of a, tr- it's like being afraid of a transformer, you know? Like, <laughs> Optimus Prime might come to life. <laughs> I, but I mean, uh, hey, hey, you never played with one? I think maybe, maybe at some point. I remember but... my sister and I playing with one when we were kids like spelling out dirty words and i mean like it was stupid um i feel like i talked about this already Maybe i, I think did. you did but i don't know if it was on the podcast yeah it was like uh of course like we talked to elvis you know it was like what's your name and it spelled out elvis you know stupid stupid shit like that we were like <laughs> 10 years old uh i mean i don't know what the what the phenomenon is behind it called because I mean, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's real, right? But there's some sort of like power of suggestion that goes on to make you spell out words. This is a really cool looking Ouija board. Like it looks all. Hey, look, old. I saw a picture of it. Yeah, it looks all old, and uh, we'll bring it on the show and let's see what that thing does. Yeah, hopefully it makes a noise. Like, <laughs> all right. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us podcast at cinesnob.net. Call us at nine two zero film two one zero. That's nine two zero. Three four five six two one zero. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, send us a text message. Uh, whatever else you do on a phone. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what else is there? That's it, right? You can call, text, or leave a voicemail. Yeah. You can or, get uh, teenage girls to tell you not to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be anorexic to my goal weight. Can I do that? <laughs> What was she was like? <laughs> it was like she was already smell. like seventy five pounds. That girl was so saying. skinny. It's like smell the food while you eat a piece of celery. Oh yeah, that's how you do it. Anyway, uh, so that's gonna do it for this week. I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. and I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.